Hello, my name is Chris Pollock. I'm one of the pastors at the H Street Church in Oklahoma City, and I want to welcome you to This Week in the Way of Jesus. Our text this week follows in our sermon series, Short Stories, Listening to the Parables of Jesus. The title of this series is a bit of a misnomer because while the parables are to be listened to, that really is not their purpose. As Jesus told these stories, they were uncomfortable enough and provocative enough that they were not just to be listened to, but they were to be lived. As we listen to and attempt to imagine how to live out of the lessons this strange parable provides, I want to invite you into the practice of dwelling in the world. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus told this story, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You'll find me with the broken in the weak In the spaces in between You'll hear my voice cry out with those who weep Only if you're listening Whatever you do for the least of 
This parable is apocalyptic in nature. We're invited by Jesus to imagine the world after, to see through a portal into another realm where the chasm between heaven and Hades is great, and people in both places stand in contrast to one another. Some have listened to this story and concluded that it's cosmological. This is what the life after will look like, feel like, and sound like, they say. There is nothing better than finding yourself in the bosom or at the side of Abraham and no flame hotter than you'll find in hell. Choose wisely, they say, while you have a short time on this earth, or you'll be held in eternal torment by God's judgment and God's wrath. And I'm not so sure that this is what Jesus was trying to convey. I'm not so sure that was Jesus's message here. God is not angry in this passage. There is no judgmental, wrathful action on behalf of God here. Instead, I think that by telling this story, I think that Jesus is trying to stir our imaginations to get us to think and imagine the world and the role we play in it in a new kind of way. Parables are not allegories. Instead, they are jammed with little aha moments and little one-line zingers that strike our collective imaginations. And by giving us a peek into the afterlife, as he turns our expectations upside down, Jesus is forcing us to ask questions about our own lives and our own world. You'll find me with the ones without a voice, the forgotten Recently, I read an article by Jennifer DeFrancisco called Seen and Unseen, and she really helped me imagine and see the story with a new pair of eyes. This is what she said. As you reread this story, remember some of the assumptions held by the first century Judeans. They believed that if you had money, you were thought to be blessed by God. If you had an ailment or disease or were of a lowly state, it was usually asked, what sin did this person commit? It was thought that you were cursed for a reason. So you can imagine the shock on the first century Judean faces who were listening to Jesus when it isn't the rich man seated at the place of honor next to Abraham, but poor Lazarus, a whole reversal of what is and should be by their first century standards the poor being lifted up and carried by angels, the poor being named and seen. So I'm sure they wanted this question answered. Why isn't the rich man placed next to Abraham in a seat of honor? Now, some might say the rich man's problem is that he didn't share what he had with Lazarus, who sat outside his gate, outside his door each day. But I think the problem is bigger than just not sharing. The problem is in the rich man's inability to see 
This is precisely why our weekly practice this week is dwelling in the world. In her book, An Altar in the World, Barbara Brown Taylor discusses this spiritual practice. Instead of rushing through the day, moving from one task list to the other as we overstep those around us without even picking our heads up, we should find ways to dwell in the world so that we might be present to the things and the people and the God that is all around us. This practice, she insists, will help us to grow closer to God, become more appreciative of God's human creation, and heighten our ability to love. So how do we do this? How do we dwell in the world? Well, first, Taylor says, we need to pay attention to people who are usually invisible or go unnoticed. It could be the person standing on the corner asking for food or a couple of dollars. It could be the custodian at the school. It could be the shelf stocker at the local grocery store. So the next time you see them, meet their eyes and greet them sincerely. This is your time to remember that he or she is someone's son or daughter, mother or father, a moment to acknowledge that they too are created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. Secondly, Barbara Brown Taylor says, you need to practice hospitality. The hardest spiritual work in the world is to love the neighbor as the self, to encounter another human being not as someone you can use, change, fix, help, save, enroll, convince, or control, but simply as someone who can spring you from the prison of yourself, if you will allow it. The third part is to remember that the other is a gift to us, not the other way around. This is what John Wesley understood. This is what Jennifer DeFrancisco emphasizes. Most of the time, she says, when I set out to help others, it's quite easy for me to slip into savior mode. I give what I have on my terms whenever I decide. I get to be the savior or not be the savior. It's all up to me. So while I could be doing the good and right thing, my mindset and reasoning are still skewed. This is why I can't say or believe that even if the rich man gave away all of his possessions, he still wouldn't be next to Abraham. To see the other means realizing the other isn't somebody to be saved, but is a fellow child of God. As Desmond Tutu so beautifully said, my humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together. To see and encounter another means being drawn out of ourselves and the narrow worlds we have created. Like the rich man, we choose every day those we want to see. But what difference would it make if we chose to see, really see, those in front of us who we usually pass by? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you do this practice of dwelling in the world, your true invitation is simply to pay attention. Notice the people who usually go unnoticed to you during your day. At the end of the day, take a moment to remember the people you've encountered. How did you feel when you made eye contact with them? Did you have the opportunity to learn their name or anything about them? 
take a moment to ask God to bless each person you met this day. Perhaps you would like to pray this prayer with those people in mind. We dare to imagine a world where hunger has no chance to show its face. We dare to dream of a world where war and terror are afraid to leave their mark. We long to believe in a world of hope unchained and lives unfettered. We dare to share in the creation of a world where your people break free. Your kingdom come, O God. Your will be done. Amen. In Jesus' parable, the apocalyptic glimpse leaves things sad as it was impossible for the rich man to cross this chasm. His unwillingness to see things in a new way held him fast in death. But again, this story is given to us, not just so it can be listened to, but so it can be lived, which means that we are able to, through our imaginations and then our practices, these holy actions, rewrite the ending of this story. By opening our eyes to see the other, the gate is opened and the chasm is closed so that we might be able to see the very God that is in and through and among us. That is when and only when true resurrection takes place. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining us as we learn to live this way of Jesus together. May the grace and peace that you long for be offered to you in full as you reimagine and are given the ability to rewrite this story in your own life. Amen.